folks, welcome back. This is the KP Podcast, and I'm here once again with the mad scientist, Ron Hipple. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> uh, what we're actually, because he hasn't seen Game of Thrones in a while, we're, we're sitting down and we're YouTubing a crammed version of the season one Game of Thrones just to give him a refresher. Slight recapping. And I was wanting to do a, a Game of Thrones type recap episode anyway, so I was thinking, you know... Why not just do a podcast episode about the recap of Game of Thrones as I go through watching a recap of the Game of Thrones with the Mad Scientist? Yeah, I remember bits and pieces of it. Like I said, uh, I found it very interesting. I, I never knew what Game of Thrones was when I first heard of it. And then you sit down, oh, well, here, let me go to this one place and we'll watch a little bit of it. I'm like, whoa, I could not quit watching it. I mean, I want to re- finish watching the rest, which it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. But yeah, it's very interesting. That's what happened with me. Is uh, I had never watched it. I'd heard of it, but I never watched it. But it was like Easter Sunday that yeah. was like the season finale's premiere. Like the season finale episode one came out. And the next morning I heard him like they were talking on the radio that like 19 million people watched exactly. it. Exactly. And then within 24 hours, 54 million downloads. And I was one of them. <laughs> And I was like, what in the hell have I been missing out on? I know. And I was like, so where hmm. I was working at the time was I had so much downtime that I started watching Game of Thrones and I started watching like four to five episodes a night, every night. I was knocking like 20 episodes a week out. By the time the series finale aired, I was watching it live and completely caught up. I binged watched it all in six That's weeks. That's what I want to do. I want to binge watch it. You come over to the lab one day and bam. Look, you gotta watch this. You ain't seen this. You gotta watch. And man, I take, I was hooked. So right I, was, I was late to the party. Me, I was really late. And you know, I, I, this is it. Immediately became one of my top three favorite TV shows of all time was Game of Thrones. I mean, I love that and Breaking Bad and Dexter. I don't want to give nothing three. away, but don't fall in love with any certain person because eventually they're gonna get killed. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody seems to die. Yeah, I mean, and this is a recap show. Fly. You know, spoilers. We're only. I'm only gonna do. We're gonna talk about season one only. Right. Um, and I'm assuming anybody who's clicked into this, you've seen season one. If not, turn back. At least uh, all of it or something. But yeah, I mean, we're because his memory's a little faded because it's been a while. We're just watching the crammed YouTube version of season one on the recap. Yeah. And we're just going to kind of see how this goes. And we're going to hit play and we're going to hope for the best here, folks. So let's get this pulled up on the screen here where the mad scientist can see it because he's old and he's blind. Yes, I'm decrepit. All right. Game of Thrones season one recap by crammed on YouTube. Final season seven of Game of Thrones soon upon us. Let's take a quick look back and recap the incredible journey that some of our most beloved characters have been on since the first season when it aired in 2011. My God, they were so young. So just in case you've been living under a rock somewhere, Game of Thrones is a HBO TV series based off of the A Song of Ice and Fire books written by George R. R. Martin. In a nutshell, it's a medieval-style fantasy drama with lots of boobs and murder. Probably gonna have to skip the boobs though to make it YouTube safe. Where different families vie for power over the kingdom of Westeros. And I'm, we're only going to talk about the TV show. I'm not going to talk about the books. Right. So there used to be all sorts of magic and dragons about 300 years ago, but things have been pretty standard traditional since then. Let's go. Ah, <sighs> uh, love the theme, man. Let's go. In the far, far north where it's real cold, soldiers of the Night's Watch come across a gruesome scene of murder and encounter the living dead along with a supernatural creature called a White Walker. Regarded as little more than legends and tales to frighten children, this is pretty bad news, so this guy deserves to head south of the wall. Where he's immediately 
captured by the men of Winterfell, also still in the north, and beheaded as a deserter from the Night's Watch. Is he? The warden of the north and the guy in charge around here is Ned Stark. He's basically a real solid guy who follows rules and takes responsibility, but he's oblivious to this incredible threat from beyond the wall because he's too busy dealing with his family. Him and his wife, Caitlin, have five kids. Rob, the eldest, and heir to Winterfell. Sansa, who likes cake and sewing. Bran, who loves to climb stuff. Arya, who's the tomboy. And Rickon, who's not really important. Modeling, <laughs> despite being such an upstanding bloke, Ned also has a bastard it's son. kind of true. Snow, Caitlin hates, even though he's a good kid. You know also, nothing, Ned's in charge Snow. of looking after another lad called Fionn Greyjoy. He's a real prick. Now, don't worry if they all look the same and you can't tell them apart. It's not that important just yet. Out and about, they find a corpse of a stag and a dire wolf with a litter of six living pups that are adopted by each child, with John getting the albino quiet one. Meanwhile, down in King's Landing, the Hand of the King, i.e. the guy that does all of the actual work, has died. And so King Robert Baratheon travels up to Winterfell to offer the position to his old brother-in-arms, Ned. He brings his queen and her family along, who are all a bunch of Lannisters. The queen's twin brother, Sir Jamie, her other brother, Lord Tyrion, her kids, Prince Joffrey, and the young Marcella and Tommen. Some are more complex, but for now you can just assume they're all a bunch of arseholes oh, except Tyrion. To make things worse, Caitlin's <laughs> sister Lysa was married to the former Hand of the King, and she receives a letter basically saying he was poisoned by the Lannisters. <gasps> no proof for now, so with a few snide remarks, everybody plays nice over dinner, and most of them go out hunting together the next day. We're going to come back to that. Now, across the narrow sea, there is a completely separate story going on. You see, King Robert took the throne from Mad King Aerys Targaryen, and two of his kids are... When I was first watching the show, the first episode, when they did the jump here across the sea over to him and her, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it, it threw me off for a yeah. second before I realized catching on that, that was, it was two different stories completely that oh, only okay. had a, a, yeah. the background entwined. Kind of on the run in exile, cruel Viserys and his uber hot sister Daenerys. Mm. I can say that about the show version because the actress is over 18. Lord. In the books, it's not so cool. Mm -hmm. Basically, Viserys is going to marry Danny off to a savage warlord king called Cal Drogo, all of which is made possible by this rich merchant called Magister Irelio, so they might take advantage of Drogo's huge mounted army in the future and retake the crown in Westeros. Danny's wedding gift includes some fossilized dragon eggs, and when she gets married, she's pretty much terrified of this new culture, which makes her seem horribly racist. Right, so back over in Westeros, <laughs> up at Winterfell, most of the two families, the Starks and the Lannisters, are out hunting, but Brandon stays at home to climb stuff because it's his favourite piece Peep of dinner. But unfortunately, yep. it turns out when nobody's about, Queen Cersei and her brother Jamie <gasps> like to bang each other. Bran sees everything. Jamie decides to keep the incest secret by pushing Bran out of the window, but the king doesn't die, he just goes into a coma. Everyone is real sad about this apparent climbing accident, although Tyrion does have... But, uh, uh the, right here where it paused, folks, is, uh, up in Winterfell, the first time Tyrion slaps the shit out of Joffrey. And that's right where it paused. So that's what I'm looking at on the screen. And just knowing, because Ron hasn't seen the rest from se after season one, so he doesn't know what all comes with the rest of the characters. Not too in, much. On the screen right now is the Hound just overlooking Joffrey's shoulder. Joffrey just got smacked. The screen paused with Tyrion's hand kind of blurring just enough. And it's just uh, where he slapped the absolute shit out of him. Like, what, three times? You can actually see snot coming out of his nose. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think he slapped him like three times. And he was like, and that sound that Joffrey made when he got slapped, and I wish this had the sound effects, was mm -hmm. just this girl of shit. Ah! <laughs> yeah. All right, let's see if it uh, kind of lets us run on a little here. Yeah, we got a couple minutes here. He forcibly convinced Prince Joffrey not to be a shit and go offer his sympathies. And, and Cersei he's a and Jamie feel so <laughs> awkward about the idea that Bran might yet live. 
Ned, Sansa, Arya, and his guard are heading southward for King to join him as a hand in King's Landing, while Caitlin stays to look after Bran and Rickon with Rob put in charge. John can't go, so instead he decides to head north with his uncle Benjamin and join the Night's Watch on a wall to defend the realm from wildlings. Ahem. <clears throat> Jamie gives him some shit for this, but he's really only telling it how it is, and Tyrion decides not to join the rest of the Lannisters down south immediately, but go take a look at all himself on a tourist visa. John gives his favourite sister Arya a small sword called Needle, and says bye to Bran despite Caitlin's frustration. He asks Ned about his real mystery mother, but Ned promises to talk about that next time they meet. Yikes. On the road north, Tyrion gives John some good advice on seeing things how they really are, because Night's Watch is also made up of criminals given a second chance on a wall, and it's gonna be a hard life. Blimey, although the views should be pretty good. Back at Winterfell, an assassin turns up to finish off Bran, but his direwolf protects a boy and kills him. <coughs> Catelyn is now totally pro-wolf, and the Starks deduce that Bran must have seen something in the tower that nearly cost him his life. The assassin's Whoa. knife is a high-quality Valerian steel blade, and she's back to the Lannisters. So Catelyn decides to travel incognito to King's Landing to warn Ned. Speaking of which, as a king's party make their slow way back oh, down, the butcher's boy. Apparent, the sweet prince Joffrey really is a piece of shit. Who needs a common boy to show off, and after taking a knock, ends up in a rage, swinging a arm. And the girl beats his ass. Nymeria, her diable, thinks otherwise of the situation. But the problem is, is that you can't bite a prince these days without consequences. That's Later right. Later that night, Joff lies to everybody about how it all went down, and Sansa, who just wants everything to be nice, straight soldier sister quiet, out, man. Doesn't back up Arya's version of events. Cersei demands the wolf dead, but Arya already made Nymeria run away, so Cersei makes Ned kill Sansa's wolf instead. Politics. What the fuck? Also, yeah, it's in the butcher's boy. The hound. But we're more sad about the wolf. Heading out from Pentos over Whoa, the grass sea, Danny seems out. to take strength from her stone dragon eggs. <laughs> so, oh, that's in the butt. Not okay, come on. <laughs> and there's a Kalasar. Okay, we paused right in the butt. It buffered out again here and paused right was as getting, Khaleesi was just getting drilled I mean, by Calvin for the first time. By the big guy. <laughs> <laughs> she don't know what it's like to have it. They always say size matter. Well, she didn't think so then. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they mentioned it. Like, in the books, she's not an adult. She's, like, 14. Oh, wow. Yeah, in the, in the books, billion. she's younger. They're all much younger in the book. But with Game of Thrones, I mean, and... I was I didn't know whether to do this with him or have him run through one of the Game of Thrones raps where they run through it in like eight minutes and some really cool rap. I, I remember a lot of this because I remember sitting here watching it. In fact, it's got me where I want to watch it some more again. I'm, I'm going to go in and fire it up on my computer. So, I mean, it just for those of you who are just kind of sitting in and just listening along, we're just kind of letting it buffer out a little bit. Our Wi-Fi is acting up here. Yeah, we got yeah. slow connection. I, I ventured on down to the the castle lair of the Hipple and. Game of Thrones is back. Bring me one of those chickens. And KFC is celebrating with deals that can feed the hound. Eight pieces of the Colonel's famous chicken, any recipe. I think I'll take two chickens. Or add a second chicken and a side of our mashed potatoes and gravy, coleslaw and biscuits. I'm gonna have to eat every chicken in this room. Or try our every chicken in this room deal. All this for only $19.99. You're gonna buy for some chickens? Someone is. The KFC Game of Thrones meal deal. Now available Dragon Grill. Yeah, but you know the recap right now. They're talking about with Khaleesi back across over in Western, and that was that was the part that it took me a little bit to catch onto it. Um, you know, some of it started out a little bit slow. I was more into what was going on in Westeros than I was over in Essos with her story at yeah. first. Hers took me a little bit to get into. Um, 
She's definitely lingered into the show quite a long time, so I don't know how far she gets to stay in, because I know everybody seems to be getting killed off. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's one thing about Game of Thrones, is if you end up getting really attached to a character, you there's, can't. A, there's a good chance they're going to bite the I'm fucking I'm getting kind of attached to this chick here, but you know, how long will it last? <laughs> right, and I mean, that's one of those things, is I can't give away the spoilers. Right, I don't, I don't want to give it away, neither. And so. I can't tell you the fate of anybody on the show. Like I said, I'm still watching the... Well, let's see if this lets us continue a little bit of the recap yeah, of... We got a couple minutes, so we'll have another break here. So of Game of Thrones season one. The journey's about Viserys and her are joined by a banished Western knight called Sir Jorah Mormont. Danny starts to learn the language a bit and has a bed slave teach her the ways of lovemaking to help her relationship with Drogo. This actually works, and she starts to feel a bit better about things when she's on top. Ned arrives at King's Landing at Jamie's. He's been stressed a little. Ned returns by bringing up the fact that Jamie is a Kingslayer, the guy who stabbed the old Mad King when he should have been protecting him. And so Jamie adds, "Was he petrified when a previous Mad King had Ned's father?" It looked like a mummy. He looked like he was a mummy. Kingslaying really wasn't such a dick move after all. It's a crash course in bureaucracy with the small. He said, "Dick." such a backstory to them too that little finger that plays in and uh again you know this is full of spoilers but the backstory with them is they've known each other since childhood um like when they were little kids he had a big crush on her oh. he was madly in love with her okay. when they were when they were little that's why he acts like he does so, so uh, but he's the guy who runs the brothel oh yeah next <laughs> yeah i mean he's all about running the brothel he's got the hookers the prostitutes and you know he'd be pimping hoes nationwide dead hookers in the basement no <laughs> that's a whole other story <laughs> i don't know where he got rid of his dead hookers yeah uh, i personally put them in my trunk but... no <laughs> well they didn't have cars back then. that's true i mean they're carts then <laughs> but yeah i mean there's so much backstory that, you know, you pick up from the books and different things that have come out that, yeah, Peter Baelish, is, he's known uh, Kat for, like I said, since they were kids. He's known her. He knows her sister. Wow. Uh, he actually tried to fight for her against her fiancé at the time, uh, Ned Stark's older brother. And he okay. got his ass whooped, yeah. and uh, she actually had to stop the fight for him, and it embarrassed him. But he was always yeah, he was, yeah, he, was he was the runt and he was they always called him Littlefinger. Yeah. So that's where he picked it up. Sounds so quaint. <laughs> and throughout the throughout the series, any time that him and uh, Varys Varys being the bald guy, right? Uh, their their scenes together are just phenomenal. The dialogue, the execution, the master is perfect. of hookers or something there. The master of whispers, whispers. That's he, it. he knows. You know, he's the guy who gets to know everything about everything. He can, he can hear it all. 
Yeah, <laughs> he was great. Well, let's see if this yeah, looks We got a few more minutes here. here. We're for another break. Back when they were kids, Faris knows all the secrets, it seems, but it's a little figure that claims the dagger meant to kill Bran belonged to Tyrion Lannister, who, by the way, is enjoying his lovely visit to the wall, which is run by Commander Mormont, Jorah's dad, a great deal more than Jon Snow is, who's pretty much getting hazed solid by his instructor. Ouch. And so even Tyrion has to step in to stop a beatdown before reminding Jon that they haven't all had his upbringing and that everybody might want to get along instead. And much to their credit, they all seem to take his advice. Mm. Benjin reminds Tyrion that it's not the Wildlings north of the wall that he and his rages fear is the threat of other darker things. But Tyrion simply doesn't buy it, even when Maester Aemon and the commander decry the need of the Night's Watch for more trained men and support. So Tyrion takes a midnight piss on top of the wall because YOLO, at least back for the south, has earned <laughs> John's respect. Bran wakes from his coma and can't use his legs anymore, but he oh. also can't remember what happened. So now he just has to listen to old man stories about fear and white walkers and long night where kings were frozen in their castles. Didn't have to kill them off. Georgia, why are you 
That was a nice little parody video that was put out through the uh, Warp Zone. So uh, thank you on YouTube for that. But we're back with doing the Season 1 recap with the Mad Scientist of Game of Thrones here. And we're going to try to pick up right where we left off. And it looked like we were... Stranglehold, baby. Yeah, that's when uh, Vener uh, this, oh, Blondie's big brother was choking her out in the middle of a cornfield. And for an ancestralized family, that sounds kind of kinky. Uh, I don't think she'd take lightly to it, though. No, they, she, he ended up getting his ass whooped. I think she remembers that when he gets the crown. <laughs> <laughs> an order when he's the king-to-be and loses a lot of credit with the rest of the crowd. Yes, he does. Jorah. You see, unlike this dick, Danny is doing her best to learn the language and embrace the culture. And so Jorah is a traveled man who's earned the respect of the Dothraki. But once he hears news that Danny is pregnant, he suddenly has to leave for cohort without explanation. <sighs> Rand starts having her. weird dreams where he's pestered by a three-eyed raven, but has to get carried down to the And he really has three eyes. Tyrion and Yoren of the Night's Watch as they pass through Winterfell en route to King's Landing. Rob gives him a frosty reception, but Tyrion draws up plans for a special saddle that can allow Bran to still ride a horse. On his <laughs> Out, Tyrion stops to give Theon a load of shit for essentially being a Greyjoy uh, hostage and a it was real shit. before he goes <laughs> off to get laid. On the wall, there's a fat new recruit called Sam Tully the Coward, but Jon's right Oh, I couldn't stand him at first. And on the wall itself, Sam explained he's always been craven to the point that his own dad threatened to have it him It took a while for me to come around to say him. And although some of the rough and new recruits still need reminding that it's not cool to bully each other anymore, the point seems to get across. Viserys and Danny reach Vare's Dothrak, the Horse Lord City, where Viserys talks shit and goes on about how this is all his army. Jorah tells Danny that if the Dothraki ever made it to Westeros, they could fight King Robert. He Robin just couldn't stop on his mouth. Can you imagine who that would be in today's world? Yeah, <laughs> I'll just kind of keep it in there, though. Despite. But Ned's even giggles. less happy as he struggles with a small council. 
council and their bureaucratic BS. He inquires after Speaking the death of, of the last hand, John Aaron, and looks into the book he was studying before a suspicious sudden illness. Littlefinger explains to Ned that everyone has spies everywhere, and he thinks that Ned is onto something and offers up further information. But he does also warn Ned that distrusting him was the wisest thing he'd done so far. Hmm. So Ned checks on a smith's apprentice called Gendry, who John Aaron had also spoken to, and it looks like the former hand had been taking an interest in all of King Robert's bastard children. There's <gasps> a tourney being set up to celebrate Ned's new you position like command of the you king, killed Littlefinger dials up the creepy to perv on Sansa for a bit, but one of the guys Ned wanted to question in relation to John Aaron's death is accidentally killed by Sir Gregor Clegane. Like this hurts. dude is a mountain that rides. He's massive and dangerous and the older brother of the Hound. Things spice up at the inn where Caitlin, heading back up north, comes across Tyrion heading back down. Uh, and pause again. Yep, and we hit the little break there. It looks like we got a little ad coming on. Oh here. yeah, we don't want to put that in there. Yeah, I'll let that. But yeah, that, it's pretty cool. I mean, you know, it's like God, who's who's going to remain alive at the end of the show here? I mean, oh, so many people end up dying. I man. mean, it's just one brutal death after the other, and it's not even the beginning of the show, Harley. I mean, we're just seeing the scratch. Yeah, but you're it went eight seasons, man. Damn. I got a lot to catch up on. <laughs> there is a ton. Wow. Out there. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm, I got to binge watch it. I got addicted you when need I first to because seen it. I think in, I think 2022, they're coming out with the next Game of Thrones. Yeah. On Showtime, but it's yeah. 300 years before this. It's yeah. just about the rise and fall of the Targaryen dynasty. Wow. That, yeah. you know, the, the, the blondes, Venerys. After I get used to this, I'm going to have to get used to a whole new thing. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I want to catch up a little bit. So when you get back into the Game of Thrones again, I want to know a little but bit the, more about it. The first uh, five seasons were all based off the books. And then they started running out of material because he hasn't finished the next book. Oh, okay. And a lot of people, when you get to the last seasons, a lot of people couldn't stand season season seven and eight. Yeah. Um, it didn't bother me as bad because... You know, like I said, it's not my hill to die on. Right. But there was a lot of things that really ended up happening very strange at the end of the series that didn't make a lot of sense. Trying to make something up to go along with it. But here in season ones and two set up perfectly for three, four, and five. Okay. And three, four, and five is the absolute peak of the series. I mean, oh, just, okay. they're insanely fucking good. Gotcha. And for all the shit that's packed into season one, dude, it's just laying the fucking foundation. <laughs> This is just the appetizer of what's to come. That's what got me into it, though. It was great. Here we go. We're going to continue on. Looks like Cat had just ended up coming across Tyrion. A few more minutes here. And on suspicion of trying to have Bran murdered, she has him taken hostage by a mixed bag of local men loyal to the Starks. Tyrion's all like, what? Day two of attorney. And Sir Loras Tyrell gives Sansa a rose, even though she's packing the wrong type of junk for his liking. And he then jousts against a mountain who loses due to his horse getting the scent of a mare. But this guy is mental. So he cuts off his horse's head and throws him down on the night of flowers until his brother the Hound jumps in to stop him. These... A lot of people don't know it, but throughout the series, the mountain was played by three different characters. They had oh, three different actors okay. in it playing the mountain. Wow, I didn't know that. Guys have beef, and it was Sir Gregor who burned the hound's face as a kid. The mountain storms off, but Sir Loras praises the hound, and he clearly doesn't know how to feel about being a good guy for once. Loras later tells Renly that maybe <sighs> he should be the next kid once they get it on, and yeah. Rob and Cersei both agree that they hate each other and that their 17 years of marriage has been miserable. Meanwhile, Catelyn's mixed group of random knights and swords are taking Tyrion over to her sister Lysa in a veil to be tried. Tyrion mentions that Lysa's a bit weird these days, but they're suddenly attacked by wild mountain 
mountain clansman. Instead of making a run for it, he helps defend Caitlyn. I really like that little guy. One of the oh, Tyrion is yeah, a scarecrow. He's got some balls for a little guy. He was instantly my favorite character. Man, he's one of mine for sure. Varys confides to Ned that John Arryn was poisoned, administered by the page who then got knighted and killed, but doesn't say on whose orders. Looks like the former hand had started asking the wrong questions. But Varys' motives are clouded because Arya is off chasing cats as part of her sword training, and she ends up in an old part of a castle with dragon skulls. And overhears Varys and Magister Aurelio talking about the imminent war between Starks and Lannisters. But that is happening all too soon for Drogo's army and the Targaryen kids to make use of it. Then Littlefinger and Varys have a who knows more secrets than who showdown, and is casually interrupted that by Renly because scene. Robert is fuming. He's just heard that Danny is now pregnant and could be a threat to his kingdom. And it turns out Sir Jorah has been feeding the Crown information in hopes of a pardon for his own crime of selling slaves. Ned Fing's child murder is a dick move, but Robert really hates Targaryens. And the council agree really that the girl should die for the sake of the greater good. Ned quits and is on his way out, but Jamie's just gotten wind of Caitlyn kidnapping's brother, so he steps up and kills Ned's number two guy. And Ooh, oh shit, right in the eye. these two are both powerful yeah. swordsmen going at it. But then this random Prick stabs Ned in the leg. Can you see this? <laughs> so Jamie's left for capital and Ned's in bed with a broken leg, and the king demands Tyrion's release before things get worse. He reinstates Ned back as a hand and goes off hunting to clear his mind. While he's out there, though, his Lannister squire is making sure that he stays suspiciously drunk. In Bran's dreams, the free eyed raven seems to want to show him something, but Hodor, the big, dumb, friendly houseboy who can only say his own name, asterisk, turns up with that special saddle, so he goes off into <laughs> the woods for a ride with Rob and Theon. Theon tries to convince Rob to go to war with the Lannisters, but Bran is accosted by wildlings who try to steal his horse. Stark fights and Greyjoy shoots, killing all but one who they take as a prisoner. Up in the Vale in a castle eerie, Tyrion talks his way out of the cell to stand before an audience and demand trial by combat in response to the allegations. In a hall surrounded by enemies, everybody's up for killing a dwarf, but Tyrion's risky bet pays off when the sellsword who is travelling with them steps up for the sake of Lannister gold. This guy, Bronn, is a mean, lean, killing machine and wears down Lysa's champion before the kill. The I kind of wish that it had the audio clips because that was the first confession of Tyrion where he just starts confessing for all the stuff that he's ever done in life. Oh, okay. Because they want him to confess for something he didn't do. Ah, see. So he starts confessing about, like, jerking off into the soup that his sister had to eat. Damn. <laughs> and it was just a funny scene, but that was leading into where he met Bronn. And they play on in season two. The two of them say their goodbyes and start the dangerous journey home. In the sacred city of Veer Stofrak, Danny is really getting into the idea of heating up those stone dragon eggs and realizes that as a Targaryen, she's kind of immune to fire. She then eats a whole horse's heart in a Yummy. ritual to prove the worth of her unborn son, over which is now claimed. I read about that scene, and I hate to keep pausing it, folks, but uh, that oh, your horse heart was made out of like a gummy bear type material wow. and corn syrup. Oh, neat. And they had to film that scene like 17 times. Well, I bet she got pulled. And she ended up like puking it up. Like between scenes, she was puking it out. I'm surprised they didn't use that part. Right. <laughs> but that's how they got it to look so realistic. It did look real. Fame will be the stallion that mounts the world. Viserys gets super jelly and tries to sell her dragon eggs to buy another army. Jorah says no, so instead he gets really drunk, demands for Cal Drogo <laughs> win him the crown he was promised, and threatens Danny's unborn baby. This doesn't go down so well, so Drogo no. gives him a crown of molten gold right then and there. He it's got his gold. Since leaving King's Landing, the mountain has been raping and pillaging for river. That was the first men, major death that I was like, just what the fuck? It caught me the same way, like, wow, can you imagine? 
Beresford, it's probably the head of House Lannister, Lord Tywin, who's really giving the orders. Joffrey plays the charming card on Sansa, who laps it up and promises that she'll be queen someday. But scenting danger and impending war, Ned tells his girls that they're going home. Sansa blurts out about wanting golden-haired children with Joffrey. I hate her fucking character in season that one. That book John Arryn was reading was all about Baratheon lineage, describing black hair every time, just like Gendry and the king's other bastards. Looks like these Lannister gold you children bastard. are not the king's own blood, after all. In the field, Lord Tywin Lannister gives his son Jaime grief for leaving Ned alive, but also gives him command of half of their forces in the upcoming war. In that scene there where you see where he's uh, skinning the stag, yeah, he was. They just taught him earlier that day or the day before. He actually they had someone come in through like a taxidermist and actually showed him how to do that. Oh, so wow. in that scene, he was actually doing it for real. So it was for real, huh? Yeah, and he Damn. had just learned how to do that. And that was the scene. And where it paused on us, folks, once again, sorry about the Wi-Fi, but uh, this is the scene in the tent between uh, Tywin and his son Jamie, where he's giving Jamie half his forces to go after Tyrion. Uh, it gives us a chance to. Say what a little opinions about this. And yeah, that, that's where he gives the the speech where you know the lion doesn't give a shit about the opinion of the sheep, right? And you know Jamie's trying to he's trying to educate Jamie is what he's trying to do is that you know this is the scene where he talks about you know Jamie's gonna die his children are gonna die their grandchildren are gonna die their great grandchildren are gonna die they're all gonna be gone and the only thing that's gonna be left is their name Lannister. Man, that reminds so, me of something that just recently happened. <laughs> even though he can't stand fucking Tywin for being the dwarf and the fucking halfling and running around with horses, Tywin hates the Tyrion, the little halfling, can't stand him. Hmm. But he's still a Lannister. Yeah. So as long as somebody has him hostage, it makes the Lannisters look weak. Yeah, so that's why he's he's got to give Jamie, you know, half their fucking forces to go get the fucking halfling back that he can't stand. Simply because he's got to protect the name Lannister. Right. And this whole scene here is where he was explaining this to Jamie that our name is what matters. Yeah, you know, like in the books, it's like this really happened back in the day, didn't it? It's kind of like some kind of real history. It's to based this? off the War of the Roses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Between uh, over in England, where in a 30 year span, the crown changed power seven times. Right. And it was just a ton of fucking different families just fighting over the crown. So it's almost like a, a real, real live thing that happened, but it's. Kind of fictional still, right? Because you know yeah. you got the Lannisters and the Starks here, and in the real life it was the Lancasters and uh, shit. Uh, I can't think of it right now. Yeah, I remember. I, who I'm, said, I'm yeah. stoned as fuck. Nah. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and which is cool, you know, the love puppet is kicking off a vacation here with some Game of Thrones recap, and I fucking love Game of Thrones. If y'all haven't noticed by now, I can just talk about this shit forever. Kicking it with the little guy. I mean, I've, this, I honestly got it. It's like I was saying earlier, I didn't know anything about this. Now, I mean, like for Christmas, my yeah. wife was buying me the books, and wow. I sit and watch documentaries That's on this. Nice. Um, YouTube's got just a ton of information where they just talk about the folk and the lore from all of uh, R.R. Martin's other stuff that he's put out. Yeah, I noticed that when I've I was learned, looking for Game of Thrones, there's quite a bit there about it. I've learned so much about stuff that's not even in the books that I've got. Right. So, uh, you know, before I even watched this, I heard a lot about it on, you know, different different things, you know, like social media especially. I, people were talking about it, like, I had no clue. It didn't even interest me, you know, like, oh, it's just another one of the movies. But then after I said here, you know, you brought it in, oh, you got to check this out. Oh, yeah, it turned out to be really, really good. It was really, really awesome. 
But yeah, I'm just, I've become a huge Game of Thrones fan, so I'm trying to get my wife to watch it, but Miss Love Puppet just won't fucking do it. I not, just, not in her interest, though. And it's amazing, because, I mean, her best friend, Leslie, she's like, I'm willing to watch it. I'm like, cool. Yeah, you there know, you go. Her twin sister was, she watched it and was all about it. But I didn't know anything about Game of Thrones until this, and I got so hooked from the series that I started reading the books. I would go to bed listen to the the people reading the audio books and just have it read to me as I was going to sleep. Yeah, I just remember seeing things on like <laughs> on the internet where there's this big old throne, iron throne or whatever with spears or spikes or something coming iron out throne. of it. That's about all I really knew about it. The Iron Throne um, is supposed to be. It was forged by you know fires where they. The Targaryen, when he claimed Westeros and took power, he took the swords of all his enemies. Mm, that's and how made that a come thrown out okay. of all the fucking swords. Yeah, now I, want, now I see where that come from. And, yeah, so that's where the Iron Throne came from. So it's been around for centuries. Okay. Let's see if it buffered out a little bit. Yeah, there. not a lot there yet, but. As family name is everything to Tywin. Stupid old Honorable Ned tells Cersei that he knows about her incest children and that King Robert will go berserk when he's back from the hunt. Instead of fleeing the city, however, the Queen is just like, yeah, so what? I played a Game of Thrones to win or die. Mm. On the wall, they've passed their training, so the new recruits say their vows in front of a heart tree and become brothers of the Night's Watch. But instead of being made a ranger, Jon is made a steward to the Lord Commander. He really wanted to scout beyond the wall because Jon's uncle Benjen is missing now from a northern ranging, with only his horse returning. But Sam tells him to wise up and realize he's likely being groomed for command. Once their vows are done, though, his direwolf ghost finds the dead bodies of two other black brothers who also went out with Benjin. On their travels, the Kalisar visits a market, and Jorah in secret receives his pardon from the crown. But he's really into Danny by now, and despite being a spy, doesn't want her dead. So when a suspicious traveling merchant offers Danny a cask of poisoned wine, Jorah makes him take a sip of it first, saving her life. Yes. And oddly, it's this very assassination attempt that angers Drogo enough to finally turn his wandering army around and head back towards Westeros to take the crown in revenge. Robert is back from the hunt, but he was so drunk that he got mortally wounded by a boar and now he's dying. He decrees that Ned be in charge of the kingdom when he's gone until Prince Joffrey comes of age. On a technicality, Ned actually writes down rightful heir instead of Joffrey, and Sir Barristan Selmy, commander of the Kingsguard, laments not protecting a king. Renly advises Ned to make a move against Cersei immediately, but Ned is stubborn and all about the rules, and knows that Stannis Randy's older and oddly absent brother is next in line as king, so he sends word to Dragonstone to tell Stannis it's time to step up. Everyone tells Ned that he's being naive, and Ned mentions that the royal children are bastards, and that he needs Littlefinger's help in making sure the city guard are on his side when shit goes down. Problem. Littlefinger still fancies Caitlyn and holds a grudge against the Starks since the days of his childhood. A guy like him can't win by the rules of swords, but can win by screwing over people with commerce and politics. So he agrees to have Ned's back, but when the time comes, and Ned and his men step into the throne room to declare Joffrey a bastard without claim, the city guard turn around and kill his own men, with Ned being taken prisoner. So things didn't really go down as planned. Across the capital, Lannisters are suddenly killing Starks, and Sansa runs for her room where she's caught by the Hound. Arya is in the middle of a sword fighting lesson, however, and Sirio Pharrell isn't convinced about handing her over. So he gives her his final lesson and sweeps up the trash before sacrificing himself for her escape. Like if you cry every time. In the chaos and turmoil, Arya grabs Nina they said yeah. a lot of death scenes in here. Yeah, that was, shit was starting to break loose right here. And again, it's buffering out on us. We're going to have to talk and kind of fill in some of the blanks here. Right. But, um, you know, what had gone on here, as you know, 
they were turning on each other or something, and then all of a sudden... Well, that's where, boom. when they were showing the clip just right there for a minute, where Littlefinger had the uh, the knife up to Ned's throat, where he turned on him and right. was That's where he told him, you know, the smartest thing, I told you the smartest thing you ever did was not to trust me. <laughs> and then Ned trusted him yeah. by telling him, you know, hey, I'm going to lead a revolt, and that and Littlefinger fucking turned on him. Mm. <laughs> and... Earlier, it showed Varys and him just standing in the throne room, and anyone who's watched Game of Thrones knows that's one of the most epic fucking scenes of dialogue, is where they're talking about, uh, Littlefinger's talking about how just all the chaos is just a ladder for him to climb. Yeah. Because he's got no fucking say-so to the throne or at all. I mean, he's not a royalty like the rest right, of them. Right, right. You know. No royal blood at all. So a whole lot of shit would have to go on for him to fucking assume power. So as all this chaos goes, he's playing fucking chess. Who can I play against yeah. who? Where can I, so where can I move the pieces? So he's actually the brains behind all the and He's like, of... where can I move the fucking pieces? Yeah, to get ahead. Or... Right, so he can, you know, keep moving up the fucking ladder and keep, you know, keep a seat of power with Take them. my enemies out as I can go get them. And he's looking at the scene as, you know, am I going to back the Starks or am I going to back the Lannisters? And he chose the fucking Lannisters on this. Yeah. Moving that night around. <laughs> Odd movements here. And they were very referenced it briefly when Ariel was down in the catacombs and when she heard Varys talking with him about the impending war that was coming. Mm-hmm. Varys is aligned more with Daenerys out in what, Essos. Okay. You know, he's like, she's the rightful fucking queen. Right. That's who he's secretly supporting this whole time. And that's where they were talking about, you know, just this fucking war between the Starks and Lannisters was coming on before she was ready. Ah, Okay. Um, so Varys wants this shit to, to delay, but Littlefinger's like, I'm going to speed it up. Yeah. So you got those two power players behind the scene. It's like McConnell and Pelosi pulling Exactly, the yes. It Put really, it into nowadays terms, yeah. Yeah, you got, you know, that's McConnell and Pelosi right there. Right. You know, they're pulling the strings of power, trying to, you know, yeah. steer the ship which way right. they want it to go. Keeping the ship kills stirred. a stable boy and escapes the castle into the city by a secret passage she found when chasing cats. Ned slaps in the black cells and all his men are dead. And in a dick move, Cersei and the new king dismiss Barristan Selmy from the Kingsguard and he's not impressed. Renly too has fled the capital. But Cersei and the rest of the small council coerce Sansa into writing a letter to Rob, telling him to come down and swear loyalty to King Joffrey. Rob's gonna come south alright, but he's going to take the armies of the north with him. He calls his banners together and the great John Umber takes a the other line thing here, and I, and I don't know how much you know or remember from all this, is when what kind of kicked off Robert Rebellion when he overthrew the Targaryen king, which was 30 years before the show. It was, it came out that the Targaryen prince, Rhaegar, kidnapped Ned Stark's sister and raped her. And, oh. And kidnapped her and raped her. And he was supposed to marry into another family. That's so it. when Ned's father and older brother went down to King's Landing to tell the king, hey, you need to fucking, you know, get your son's ass in here, he burned them alive. <laughs> Whoa. So now that Ned has been imprisoned at this point, when they send the letter, she sends it to Rob, hey, come down here and talk. He's like, the last time we fucking went down there, we got burned alive. No so I'm, I'm bringing a fucking army. You've imprisoned my father. Oh, um, okay. So that's where it was kind of buffering out at the scene here. Right. And that's where it was going on in the show. But yeah, 30 years before... When Robert, you know, the king who just died, Ned, him and Ned led the rebellion, and that's how Robert took the throne, was against the Targaryens, which mm. was the grandfather of the, two, the blondes, as Daenerys over in Essos. Right, right. That's what makes her bloodline, she's the rightful. Ah, Because Rhaegar is yes. dead, so now 
Somebody's got to take over. But they're in exile. They they fled. That's how Robert took over. Oh, got rid of that. And then, yeah. yeah, he figured out a plan there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Robert's Rebellion was a big deal. But, you know, all this stuff plays back, but that's where it ties in. It goes back, you know, years. Of convincing to follow the young lord, but after a wolf bite or two becomes Rob's stauncher supporter. So he goes to war, technically leaving Bran in charge at Winterfell. Their wildling captive Osha has kind of fallen into place working around the castle, and talks to Bran about truths and hearing the old gods and the winter threat beyond the wall. In the castle eerie, Catelyn is unhappy that Lysa won't back her up with the Knights of the Vale if the Starks go to war. She seems to fear conflict with the Lannisters and is essentially useless. And meanwhile, whilst heading home from there, Tyrion and Bronn are accosted by the same mountain clansmen who gave him grief on the way in, but Tyrion's power is in his wit and his words. He manages to talk them into escorting them safely back to the Lannister army, promising them the weapons that they need to take the veil for themselves. Because screw those guys. On the wall there's something odd about those ranger corpses found near the heart tree, the odd thing being that they're actually undead. They no! rise up in the middle of the night and attack John and the Lord Commander. They don't die by traditional means, but they do thankfully burn well. Across the sea, Drogo's Kalisar is on the warpath now and heading back west, and is raping and pillaging and taking slaves to sell on to pay for ships. Danny doesn't like the cruel truth of this and puts a stop to the raping by claiming all of the women. Drogo is amused, but some of his men aren't. So he kills this mug and takes a wound for one of the... Yeah, a little ad pop up here. Yeah, they gotta get their jollies, you know. <laughs> yeah. You can't take out a brother. Oh, that's not bad. Where it paused was the scene where Drogo got cut in a fight with one of his own men. He took the slice across his chest. Oh, that's what that was. Okay. Yeah. And that's what leads to him getting infected. Ooh. Okay. Patch up in gratitude to Danny. Catelyn me. gonna buffer some more. That's gonna buffer a little more, yeah. But where it came out, folks, was right there in the little tent scene where. You know, after Danny took all the women, that was where the lady was like, I will heal Drogo. You know, he's about to get really fucking sick and shit. Mm. But yeah, back in King's Landing, man, you know, all shit was going, you know, it was breaking loose. It really was at this time. He was kicking some ass. And Rob's getting ready to march south. And then, like, he left Winterfell in charge with, you know, Bran, and he's the kid who's paralyzed. Yeah, paraplegic, kind (laughs) of. There always has to be a Stark in Winterfell. That's just one of the things. That's just one right, of the fucking rules. Right, is there always yeah. has to be a Stark in Winterfell. Hmm. Ever since the way back when, uh, you know, Brandon the Builder kind of reminds the wall. you, know, like you got always have a president here. You know, yeah. It's just for whatever fucking reason, there always has to be a Stark in Winterfell. Yeah. The one thing that you learn throughout the series is winter is coming. That is the words of the Starks: "Is winter is coming, winter is coming, winter is coming." And all the families have their own little fucking sayings, and like the Lannisters is, yeah. you know, uh, Lannisters always pay their debts. Okay, yeah. No, their actual words were, uh, hear, hear me, hear us roar, because they're lying for their sigil. Yeah, their yeah, sigil okay. is the lion. That fits in there. But in the show, they play it up, and in the books, it's the Lannisters will always pay their debt, because they are the richest family in the fucking land. I'm like, you know, they got Jeff Bezos money, baby. That's kind of way I feel. I don't want to owe nobody nothing. Yeah, well, everybody owes the fucking Lannisters. And they were touching on earlier when Ned first went to King's Landing to be part of uh, Crowned as the Hand. He found out they were like, you know, three million in debt just to the Lannisters. Damn. And he was like, fuck, shit, the most, you know, the richest family, the Queen's father, 
you know, the the power player, yeah. the crown is in debt to him. He's got all the fucking pull. He's got all the strings. It's like today, how are we going to pay off kind of the debt we owe? You know, so it's like when <laughs> Littlefinger turned on Ned, I mean, it's like, you know, do you back the poor guy who's leading the revolution or do you buy, you know, back the guy who's got Jeff Bezos money? Right. You know, Littlefinger sold out. Mm-mm-mm. But, you know, you should. he told him. Yeah, you should trust me. Let's see if this buffered out something. Yeah, it for looks us. like it's not doing so well yet. It's up with Rob's army in the Riverlands planning for war, yeah, and Tyrion meets up with Tywin's army to say hi to his dad and uncle, bringing the mountain clansmen along with him. Tywin never misses an opportunity and gets the clansmen to fight for him alongside Tyrion in the upcoming battle. Rob is marching south but needs to cross hey, the river uh, at the twins. This place is owned by the vulture Walder Frey, who is technically on their side but really only looks out for himself. He agrees to the crossing and the joining vulture. the war, but only so long as Rob marries one of his many daughters. A shit deal for Rob, but off they cross in full four. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. It's season two where that comes into play more with uh, Walter Frey yeah. and the, the, the marriage proposal and whatnot. I have to watch each season and have a little recap for everyone. Like this is what we're doing mm-hmm. here, kind of. That way, uh, keep on top of all of it. I mean, it gets kind of like disinteresting in the end, you know. And the, the challenge for me is to not jump too far ahead because you right. haven't seen it. I don't want right. yeah, to. Right? Yeah, I don't want. I don't want to be spoiled. But yet. I'm like, I might be. I'm trying to fill in what backstory that I can yeah. on anything that might yeah. be a gap there. Um, but uh, I'll get caught up with this. I'll, I'll probably, like I said, fire the computer up tonight, bring it up, watch season two, and. Get a, get a good. Uh, I, I think I've watched a little bit of, but not enough to really grasp what's going on yet. I mean, we're twenty minutes into the recap, so we're probably forty minutes into the, re- the show here. And, right, because it did play for quite a while. Yeah, and then this is only a twenty-five minute recap, and you're talking about yeah. you know, something that I think it was like ten or twelve episodes. Yeah, yeah, uh, quite was, a few. You know, and they got in the last final seasons. They were really there was like the final season was only six episodes. Oh, wow. it fucking sucked. Yeah. They were like an hour and a half each, but you know. They were, it got rushed at the end, and a lot of people got pissed. But like I said, you know, I'm all right. Yeah. You know, yeah, it kept the show going. I mean, you know, you know. It, w- it wasn't real to me. <laughs> so. For protecting him against zombies, the Lord Commander gives John his Valerian steel sword. But John finds out about his brother going to war for his father and wants to desert and help. Thankfully, his other new brothers of the Watch convince him to stay and follow duty. And it turns out Maester Aemon was, in fact, Targaryen royalty, who also chose Ooh. the hard path of remaining on the wall. Tyrion and the tribesmen are going in the front lines, and it seems that Tyrion isn't too worried about Tyrion's survival in general, which kills his appetite. It comes back pretty quickly, though, as Bronn has found him a cheeky little whore called Shay, who has a quick wit to match his. But mm. beware, like Bronn... Cheeky little whore. <laughs> I love their little words. They don't touch on it very much in the show. They skip over it, and they pointed out here that, you know, it's a whore named Shay. Mm-hmm. Before this, Tyrion was actually married once. And he was married to just a common girl. Ah, and his father okay. fucking hated it. So, on their wedding night, or like the night after their wedding, his father had his girl wife kidnapped and just gang-raped by, like, the crown. All of the fucking, you know, the, the right. king's crown. Yeah. His little guard unit just exactly. gang-raped her in front of him, made him watch. Oh, wow. And then they had Jamie, his brother, told him, listen, that she was just a prostitute. She was hired <laughs> for you. For you, yeah. And... Hurt his yeah. feelings a little bit. <laughs> you know, so he fell in love, thinking this was his fucking dream. And his father fucking hated him. Wow. You know, how dare you marry a fucking prostitute? How dare you have this fucking whore? Damn. And, <laughs> and the plot thickens. And, but Tyrion, you know, <laughs> he just, he loves wh- whores. He loves prostitutes. 
drinking hey, wine and getting laid is hey. all that little man wants to do. Hey, well, you know. yeah, I mean, I don't fucking blame him. <laughs> but when they introduce Shay here, it's kind of like just like in the books. It, it really matches up with the story. But it's he, you know, as a, if you remember, he falls in love with Shay. Just like he fell in love with the whore before. Hunter Biden. No. <laughs> and it's just another thing that just pushes him further away from his father. Because his dad's just like, you and these fucking whores, Terry. Whores and cocaine. Is it not bad enough that you're this halfling dwarf drunk? Yeah. But now, you, just, you know, it's nothing but fucking whores and prostitutes. Will you please stop slandering the fucking Lannister name? <laughs> Man, really, we don't yeah. want no STDs. I mean, <laughs> Tywin and Tyrion do not have a good relationship. But yeah, I can I can see that. But, but see, Tywin used to be the hand of the Mad King, mm-hmm. um, and he served him during. But the Mad King took Jamie and made him part of the King's Guard, and he did that to fuck with Tywin, their father. Right. Because once you're a part of the King's Guard, you can't marry, you can't take. Oh lands. man, you're a service, you know, till the crown, till death. So when that's Ty- some serious shit. So when Tywin eventually dies of old age. Jamie, being the older son, would take the seat. Right. But Cersei's married to the king. The only time when the only Lannister left is the midget. And the whole reason that the Mad King did that to Tywin was just to fuck with Tywin. Damn. It was just you know asserting power over Tywin when he appointed his you know because Jamie's supposed to succeed him, right. take over Casterly Rock, and you know be a warden of the West, Mm-mm-mm. and you know. But now Jamie can't because he's part of the Kingsguard. He can't ever marry. He can't, yeah. take, you know, can't have no fun. <laughs> he, you know, I mean, they all were around, but he can't marry. He can't. Carry oh, so he can actually get it, but he just right. can't marry. But he's a part of the King's Crown till life, till death. So that's so that. he can't take the fucking family castle, right? And Tywin just loves horrors. <laughs> well, well. <laughs> so for those of y'all listening, if y'all didn't know some of the backstory, there's a little bit of backstory there. Yes, sir. The cell sword. This is very much a business situation for her. Next day, they join a battle. Tyrion gets knocked out pretty early, but it turns out they won. But this is because it wasn't the full Stark army heading down to fight, but just one tenth of the force as a diversion. Rob had led the rest of the force in a surprise attack, but took Jamie Lannister's force and the Kingslayer himself captive. Turns out that despite being treated, Drogo's wound did not heal at all and has in fact festered. He falls from his horse, and it's too late even for the healer to help him now. She does further mention, however, that she's also trained in blood magic as a magi. Desperate, Danny consents to some dark sacrifice shit. Hey. This really splits the crowd, forcing Jorah to kill a blood rider while Danny suddenly goes into premature labor. Jorah unwisely takes her to the magi for further help. In the Black Cells, Ned wants to stick to the honorable truth, but Varys convinces him to recant his accusations against Joffrey because making sure that his children aren't harmed is a kind of honorable thing to do too. So mm. Ned agrees to say he was wrong for the sake of family. Arya is living like a hobo in a city and joins the crowd to see Ned, Cersei, and the king put on a show with Ned as a traitor villain. He spies his daughter and manages to put Yorin onto her in passing, and Cersei and co promise Sansa that they'll let Ned live for his confession and join the Night's Watch. But Joffrey is cruel to the core and demands his head anyway. Yorin makes Arya look away when it happens, and everyone and including like I said, if you fall in love with a certain character, don't let, make it last very long. Right there. They I, took him right off. He was a character and a half. I mean, he was on the cover. And there you, you go. You would think he's the main he, character. Yeah, he you're would not gonna, survive at least to the end. You're not going to... Oh no! They fucking killed yeah. Ned Stark right off in the first, you know. Of it, you know. I was like, okay. What? So, so the first major now what? The first major character they killed, being Daenerys's brother, he's supposed to take over and become the king. 
Well, no, he's dead. So now you know the work's going to go. Now Ned's dead. You know, it's like, Drogo's dead. I mean, season Off one was like, head. here's some major characters we're going to introduce, and we're going to kill them. Right. No, I mean, and, so who's next? <laughs> right, and that's the thing. I mean, you like, can, you don't know what's going to happen from one. That's what made it so fucking to great. The next. You just never knew what was coming. It's what keeps you interested in seeing what's going to happen next. You're like, wow, I can't wait to see what's going to happen next. Every but, scene was a cliffhanger. I mean, that's like I said, it, it's like a soap opera, buddy. I mean, boom. The plan is to pretend Arya is a boy entering the Night's Watch and to sneak her back to Winterfell. Ari will be traveling up with the other criminals, but Gendry has been sent to join the Watch too. In Bran's dreams, the free-eyed Raven leads to the crypt. So in real life, he heads down with Osha and talks of dreaming of Ned being there. Seems Rickon had the same dream too, before Maester Lewin receives official word of his death. Catelyn and Rob also grieve at the loss of Ned, swearing vengeance on the Lannisters. But Catelyn wants to make sure Sansa and Arya are back safe too. Word on the street is that Renly is now also laying claim to the throne, ahead of his older brother, Stannis. But whilst they're all together, the Northern Lord suggests that Rob might as well be King of the North, essentially breaking Westeros into two kingdoms. In captivity, Jamie admits pushing Bran out the window, but doesn't say exactly why. Tywin and his war council talk of how both Baratheon brothers are now claiming the throne as next in line. And Tyrion adds for all chances of peace with the North, who are now winning, were ruined when Joff decided to kill Bran. Tywin tells Tyrion he's much <laughs> underestimated his other son, and that he's sending him to King's Landing as Hand of the King, to basically run things and keep Joffrey and Cersei in line. But also adds he's not allowed to take his whore along with him because there's some bad <sighs> history there. But screw that, Tyrion is going to take her anyway. I still going to take her. We get an odd insight. She's a fun fuck. <laughs> oh lord, I didn't want to see that. <laughs> and another moment between Barry's and Littlefinger. They both separately seem to be orchestrating some big secret God, schemes. They were great Meanwhile, together. Joffrey is having fun cutting off people's tongues, but stops for a moment to force Sansa to come and take a look at the severed head of her father. Oh. Mother says he's still to marry Sansa and shouldn't hit her, so he has a Kingsguard hit her instead. It uh. looks like she's about to push Joffrey off the ledge, but the hound intervenes, making it seem to tend to her cut. Commander Mormont reports of talk of the wildlings north of the wall Let's forming not a push him over army, yet. <laughs> and even more tell of the dead walking. This shit is far more important than kings going to war, you so he announces kid. he's leading the Night's Watch into wildling territory to discover what's going on. Danny wakes from the awful night, and Jorah tells her she lost the child. The Magi adding that it was born monstrous and twisted, a lizard boy full of grey worms. This was the price of death to pay for Drogo's life. But it gets worse. All of the Kalasar army except the stragglers have left, and Drogo is technically alive but otherwise brain-dead and sightless. The Sorceress admits that this was all part of her plan to stop Danny's child being the stallion that mounts the world and saving countless people from future war. So Danny in tears puts Drogo out of his misery and builds a pyre to burn the body along with the sorceress, her eggs, and herself. Jorah pleads for her not to commit suicide, but that's not actually Danny's plan. Through the fires of sacrifice, she emerges unscathed, her eggs all hatched, and surrounded by three dragons. Oh my god. Yes. So Ned's dead, of the South, and as well as Stark v. Lannister, Robert's two other brothers are somewhere claiming the throne as well. Joffrey rules with cruelty, keeping Sansa hostage, and Tyrion's heading over for damage limitation. Jamie is captured, and Arya is pretending to be a boy amongst criminals, while Jon is marching north of the wall, and thanks to Danny, dragons live once again. So there you have it, guys. I really hope you I have a funny feeling that guy's not going to be on the throne very long. <laughs> Jeffrey. It doesn't seem like people stay on it very long. <laughs> I mean, as you can see, you know, going into season two, Jeffrey's the king, and he is a vile, wicked, evil little fuck. Oh, you dude. can see it in his face, too. I mean, he is a mean little fucking shit, dude. But season uh, two introduces so many more characters to come that you don't know about, like with right. uh, uh, Marjorie, the 
the Martells. Yeah. Uh, you know, Oberon. Oberon in the Mountain, which is just one of the greatest scenes. I've, I've got to check this out. Um, you know. I know I've probably seen a little bit of it, but really not enough to gather anything out of it, so. But those people that, uh, that out there that are uh, into it, like I've gotten into it, I mean, the people were into it way more than I was way before I ever was. For a lot of Game of Thrones fans, I'm an amateur in knowledge compared to what some people out there know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's probably people out there that can quote his fucking books. and Probably so. The way he writes his books, man, is... Now, season one followed the books pretty close. I mean, there's a few things here and there, but all in all, it was still pretty close. But, um, you know, he he writes the chapters from each person's point of view. Okay. And it's like yeah. one chapter, Cersei 1. And then later on, you'll get Cersei 3. You know, or Cersei two, yeah. but every so every chapter is just continuously bouncing around. It's not just following a fucking line. So they were able to take his fucking books and turn them into this fucking perfect series. And like I said, you know, for everything that just happened in season one, it was just setting the plate for the craziness that was about to come in seasons two, three, four, and five. I could see this going on for a little while. You know, like I said, when you're going to bring it back, I like to see it. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, it was great. I mean, to me. I loved Lord of the Rings. I thought it was just yeah, one of the most I watched visually, quite a few of them. I thought it was the most visually stunning movie I'd ever seen at yeah, the time. This race right up there with it. But I'm know, like watching as far as interest, Game yeah. of Thrones. It's in that same fantasy exactly, genre. Exactly, yeah. But it's like Lord of the Rings on steroids. Yes, very that, much. Because you didn't lose this many major characters in Lord of the Rings. No, you, you, we had certain characters that stayed alive all through the whole thing. Here, you don't know who's going to be alive. But next. it's interesting, you know, because Sean Bean, who played Ned Stark, was also right. in Lord of the Rings, and he was actually killed. Oh, in yeah, the that's right. Yeah. With the orcs. That's why he looks familiar. Yeah, he was <laughs> He was in Game of Thrones. He was part of the little They, were, they really thought he was good enough to, to do this. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, they killed off Ned Stark, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and when she went to climbing the fire and I had completely forgotten the scene about her right. being immune to fire. You would have thought, well, she's going to die now. I was like, well, great. She's now she's alive herself. again. And then, you know, they Boom. had the story that like was Like the going, phoenix. <laughs> yeah. And then the story that was running through with the wall, it took a little bit for me to catch into that. Yeah, it was like, it I'm was, still a little confused like, on the wall thing. where were they going with this? Yeah. Because it was like, alright, they're getting too big. They're going too much. You've got King's Land and you've got so many different places and now you're going north of the wall mm-hmm. into, you know, basically Siberia. People don't come back once they go over and those who do are like, what? And so it's just like, I thought they were getting, you know, I'm watching it and I'm like, it's... Big ha- mystery. Yeah. It, it, unfo- it unfolds an entire fucking world. An entire sure continent. Yeah. Um, but, you know, season one was great. It was like, But it was just the appetizer of things to come. And I hope you do get to finish up and watch more. Oh, of I'm it. definitely going to go check it out. I'll, watch the second set here you know but for all you all at home that was a me and the mad scientist just kind of sitting here talking about game of thrones in season one and i know that there's a big following for that out there so you know if you got to sit and listen along with us i hope you enjoyed it i hope it brought back some memories and let's know how you feel about it and chances are you're probably going to do what i'm going to do is when you turn this off you're going to start looking up a lot of the scenes themselves 
Like the scenes with, you know... Uh, like I said, I just looked up on YouTube, and there was like several references to different parts. Of, every scene with Varys and Littlefinger was just off the know. fucking chains. And Tyrion, you know, Peter Dinklage's performance as Tyrion the Midget, it was just... He was my favorite character yeah. from uh, just immediately. He won me over, and I'm like, his storyline just had me intrigued, you know, for as long as it's run through the fucking series and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean... For all the characters that you just met and died in season one, it's about to get insane. Yes. <laughs> because I think at one point in time, I mean, he does point of views from like 254 characters through his books. Definitely keeps your interest yeah, in like it. Yeah, like 254 different named characters that he tracks. Yeah. And well, That's cool, too, though. I mean, everybody's got a name, like you said. And, he uh, keeps track of names and dates and places of when people just not some it. character thrown in there with no name, you know. Right. Everything has a meaning, but it's like Stephen King will spend four pages telling you what an elevator is. Right. This motherfucker's writing the Bible of who gave birth to who. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It, it's great, but. We're going to cut this one short. I hope you all enjoyed our Season 1 Game of Thrones recap sitting here with a mad scientist. And wash your hands, stay healthy, and uh, let's all just look forward to whenever they come out with the next one. Enjoy.